Greetings, this is Pastor Thomas A. Deloach, and this episode is brought to you by To Empower You, a podcast dedicated to helping young adults and young couples achieve their goals and dreams from a biblical context. From a biblical context. Pastor Thomas A. Deloach. Hello, and thank you for tuning in. To two and power you. I'm back better than ever, Thomas A. Deloach. And I'm so glad that you've decided to connect with me, as always, for these few moments in time. And on today's show, I want to talk about money mistakes of young couples. This is a teaching podcast, so go and grab something to write with and take some copious notes today, as I believe this will be a very informative episode. Generally, I start out with a Bible verse, but I'm not going to do that today. I'm just going to kind of flow and share my heart. As it relates to these money mistakes of young couples, I've been blessed to be married 28 years and my wife and I have had to go through ups and downs and in and out. So I'm sharing really out of my expertise in terms of different things that I've had to go through. And if you're listening to me and you are a young couple, I think it's important that you understand, number one, that marriage is work. And it is hard work. And generally, if you come out of a family where your mom didn't teach you how to be a wife or your dad didn't teach a son how to be a husband, these things are very difficult. And many times we learn on the fly. But you don't have to. All you have to do is really get connected with some men who can teach you how to be a husband. And women, you can connect with someone that will teach you how to be a wife. And this is key because it's purpose before role. I say that all the time when I'm doing marriage counseling. Purpose before role. What is the purpose for marriage? If you don't know what the purpose for marriage is, you're going to mess it up. You got to know that first. And then a man can get in his role as a husband, a band around the house. He's prophet, priest, and king. He's provider, protector, defender of the home. The female is a help meet. The Bible says that. She's a help meet, suitable to age, suitable to help, suitable to jump in and assist her husband, her man, in helping make sure that things are flowing in the relationship, in the marriage. And again, we don't learn this. Many times we find this out and it's too late. We have to divorce court, but you don't have to be. There's another thing that I want to tell you. I think it's so important for men and women before they get married to go through some therapy because you'll be surprised of the things that men are carrying in their heart. Young men are carrying in their heart stuff that maybe their father was absentee. Maybe he was in jail. Maybe he left his mom. And so he grew up in a single parent home and he just doesn't know what a man is supposed to do. It's not his fault if his father left him. Same thing with women or young ladies who grew up in a home where the father left. And so she's got daddy issues. And then the mom is there and she's teaching her how to be more independent and depend on self because based on what happened with her 
and her dad. Things didn't go well. So we have to make sure that we're not passing down just generational dysfunction. And I would say this, that most of us were in a generational dysfunctional house. Grandparents were messed up, but they learned how to stay together and they learned how to work through it. And the same thing with maybe your mom, just generational things that were passed down that wasn't the way it was supposed to be. And so we just need help. Men and women need help learning how to work together. I haven't got started talking about money yet, but this is so key because many times we find ourselves not knowing how to work together in harmony, in syncopation, being in step with one another, staying in our roles, staying in purpose. So we're not trying to do one another's job. And that's why I think therapy is so important. And then we can get to marital counseling to help you with the tools, the tips and strategies, because the reality is problems are going to come. Away with this nonsense, we're going to work it out in marriage. No, you're going to find yourself like everybody else or like most people, I should say, in divorce court with what they call irreconcilable differences. And all that means is we just couldn't agree. That's it. We just couldn't agree. So we got to learn again how to be together and communicate. And notice I did not mention love. I did not mention chemistry. All that stuff comes later because you'll find out as you're getting with your spouse in a relationship in those first years, you think you know what love is. You thought you knew what love is, but you will learn to love one another. The love that I have for my wife now, pushing 30 years, is not the love that I have for her early on because I didn't really know what love meant. And this is why, again, you just can't marry for love because what is it? Love is not an emotion the way that we teach it. Love is a decision. We decide to love one another. We decide to stay together and work it out. We decide. It's a decision. Jesus made a decision to die on the cross. Why? Because he loved you. Now, if it was based on feelings, he would have never gone through what he went through to purchase our salvation. And so we have to realize and understand that that stuff will come later. But again, we have to understand what the purpose is, what the roles are, get in them, get the therapy we need individually, and then come together and then get the tools, tips, and strategies for learning how to be in a marriage relationship, learning how to work together. Because again, if we don't, it's just going to end up like everybody else. And I've seen too many Christian so-called marriages fail. How can you fail when you're supposed to have Christ in the marriage? But many times Christ is nowhere in the marriage. Christ is nowhere around the marriage. He's not even the head of the home in terms of a man submitting to God, in terms of a woman submitting to her spouse and the kids submitting afterwards. So the family is in a huge mess. And then when we bring money into this situation, who's going to handle the money? Who has the expertise and the anointing to pay bills? Yes, I said the anointing to pay bills. The anointing is the burden removing, yoke destroying power of God. You got to be able to destroy debt instead of debt destroying you. And God has gifted somebody in the home. It doesn't always have to be the man, but he is the overseer 
of the finances, but he doesn't have to pay the bills. He can go out and make the money and bring it home. And maybe his wife is the one that's best suited for paying the bills. Maybe she's more disciplined. Maybe she understands management skills and different things like that. But that does not mean she's a lone wolf. She still have to submit to her spouse, to her husband, and make sure that he understands and knows where the money is going. Now, I know that many times today we think that uh, we can just do what we want to do when we want to do it. And that's why, again, I'm saying for the third time, we need therapy. We need couples counseling, marital, premarital counseling, I should say. And then after we've been married for a little while, you need to get back into some marriage counseling because maybe there's some things you thought you heard that you didn't hear. In other words, if you gonna have a great marriage, it's just not gonna happen. Nothing happens by osmosis. Everything happens because we are intentional about being together and having a God-honoring marriage and doing it the right way. So as promised, I said I was going to talk about money mistakes of young couples. And I have about five of these that I really want to release to you. And hopefully these things will be able to help you in your pursuit. Now we know again, money is so important. In everything that you do, especially as young couples, money is important. And you cannot get everything that you see starting out, especially if you get married in your 20s like I did. And you have something facing you that I didn't. We didn't have the internet when I got married back in 94. There was no internet back then, but you have that now. And everything is in your face. You see pictures on IG and on Twitter and on Facebook and all these other mediums showing you couples and their nice cars and nice houses and diamond rings and fur coats and private jets and sandy beaches and crystal clear water. And here you are looking at that and being jealous and envious. But I want you to understand everything that you see is not what it is. You'd be surprised at the people that's faking and perpetrating and pretending, snapping pictures of other folks' cars, standing in front of it, putting on other folks' mink coats and different things like that. Everything is not what you think it is. So don't take the bait and try to have everything you want before time because you have to mature in marriage. You have to mature in the things of God. You have to make sure that your heart is right because what good is having a fur coat, ladies, if you don't really submit to your spouse? What good is it, man, having a nice shiny car and you don't provide for your home? So we got to make sure again that we have everything the way it's supposed to be in our heart with God so that we can make sure that we are doing the things that we need to do. So pace yourself in marriage. Again, you cannot have everything that you want. Here's point number one. You might want to write this down. Not communicating about money. You'd be surprised at the people who just don't want to talk about it. We'll talk about it when the time is right. No, the time is right. Once we realize we really serious about each other and we want to pursue in a marital relationship and we need to do this stuff before we get married. It is so crucial to talk about money and learning how to agree on how the money is going to be spent, how it's going to be saved as a couple. You'll find yourself fighting over money issues. You'll find yourself in fights because y'all not upfront about certain things. Again, the two shall become one. 
That is not when you say I do. That's a process. And that process is going to take some time. Maybe you grew up in a home where money was an issue and now you feel a certain way about money that your spouse doesn't or your future spouse doesn't. You have to talk about that. And those are the things that I talk about in premarital counseling. We dig into it. We get into it. We talk about it. Sometimes you'll be surprised. People will walk away after the first session because I'm telling you, man, money is such a strong spirit and we've got to learn how to handle it and not allow it to handle us. Number two, failing to build your savings account. You're going to need some money put away. Again, everything is not today. Once you get the paycheck, that does not mean it's party time for spouses. We have to be mature in this. You might feel that you're not earning enough money to put anything away, but that's not true. Most couples can find time to cut back on things that they don't need. Cover your bases and prepare for a time that is yet to be when you know something is going to happen. Let me say it to you like this. Something is going to happen. Something is going to need to be fixed, repaired, replaced. Anything that is created by man is destined to break down. So again, cover your bases so that when future things come, you will have the money saved for these events. Let me give you a few that will come. Starting a family. You know you're going to start a family. You Families, people come together in marriage, as the scripture talks about, be fruitful and multiply. So babies are going to come. So you're going to go through the pregnancy situations, ladies. And so the man is working. And so raising a child is expensive, formula milk, all kind of stuff, cribs and beds and clothes. And I mean, the list, man, it costs a lot of money to raise a child. So this is something that you're going to do, which most people do, get pregnant, raise a family, have kids, but check this out. There is something called contraceptives. You can, if you are not ready to start a family right now, then you got to do what you need to do to prevent that from happening. Now, I realize that it's not a 100% thing because I know people who were on contraceptives and they still got married, but you need to plan. So right now, You need to plan not to have kids, maybe for the first two years. And then you all come back together and say, now we're ready to start a family. If you're not preventing babies from coming into the world and you having sex, which you will in marriage, then you can't be surprised when your spouse get pregnant. So we have to make sure again that we're realistic about this. When you're ready to settle down, you need a down payment to buy a home. And I'm telling you, man, it costs a lot. Right now, especially where I live, to put a down payment on a home, because I'm telling you, it's like 20 or 30 people bidding on one house. So you got to make sure that you've got a nice little chunk of money put away for a down payment on a home. Children's education. People want to send their kids to college, to a trade school. Nothing wrong with that. You have to decide to put some money away. You have to decide, okay, we're going to have two kids or we're going to have three children. So that means there's some things that we may not be able to do right now because, again, we're building. And that's the thing with marriage. We're building a future. 
We're building a legacy. So we're planning. We're we're always strategizing. We're always making sure that we stay true to what we want to do. Health expenses. Somebody going to get sick. Trust me, something is going to happen. We don't want anybody to get sick, but man, we living in this world. Somebody is going to get sick. So open up a health savings account if you don't have a comprehensive health insurance policy. Get a life insurance policy as well. If in fact someone were to die, can the house still move forward? If the husband dies, if the wife dies, whatever the situation is, we got to make sure that we have our business in divine order. And again, we don't learn this in school. And sometimes our families don't want to talk to us about this and they do us and injustice. See, when you are a young couple and you're building You want a life insurance plan so that if something happens while you're building, you can keep building. The kids are still going to get what they need and the spouse that is alive can continue to raise the kids and make sure that what you all came together for can still continue to move forward. And then retirement. We all want to get to that place where we can retire because we put in our work. Being young means you can take more risk when you invest and save up early, which will help you to retire more comfortably. It also gives your savings time to grow from the investment you'll earn over the years. So we got to, again, learn about investing. We didn't learn that. At least I didn't learn it. I know a lot of people in my age group, their parents didn't know anything about the NASDAQ, didn't know anything about how to invest, when. So you might have to hire somebody to teach the both of you, husband and wife, about the things that you can do so your money can grow. Just don't sit there and bounce things off of one another. If you know that both of you have no idea about the NASDAQ and about certain things to invest in, Roth IRAs and certain things like that, 401ks, then you need to hire somebody, man, because we're planning and preparing to have some money. See, if you are not planning and preparing to have any money, you're planning and preparing to be broke and you will be broke. So we just, again, we want to make sure that we are doing the things that are necessary because we are building. Number three, failing to effectively manage debt and credit cards. Oh my goodness. Let me say this to you. Debt is not necessarily the problem. It's the ignorance of the person who keeps getting into debt. Again, debt is not necessarily the problem. It's the ignorance of the person with the credit cards who don't know how to use them. And I was thinking about this the other day when I was in college, Lord have mercy, many, 30 years ago, I was thinking about all of these credit card companies who would come on our college campus trying to get us to get this credit card and that credit card. And that's where it happened for a lot of us. We were ignorant. We didn't know what to do. All we knew was what we saw. We wanted the latest shoes. We wanted the latest jeans. We wanted the latest this, that, and the other so we can impress each other in college. None of us had jobs. And I'm telling you, man, they should ban credit card companies from coming to these colleges, preying on young, weak, impressionable minds because most of them, most of us, again, No one taught us how to deal with credit cards. That stuff is not free. 
We thought it was. That's why we was charging up everything. But we didn't think that in 30 days that bill was going to come. And that's how these credit card companies made all this money off of young college students. It should be against the law for them to come to a college campus. So we need to be training our generation how to handle credit cards. Credit cards are not a bad thing. Again, it's not the credit cards, it's the person that is using them. And some companies, again, they point all of their marketing dollars towards a certain group of people because they know they have no information. So as couples, young couples that will encounter certain things, we got to be upfront about how much debt we're in. You shouldn't get married to somebody until you find how much debt are you in? Let's talk about this. And if you start seeing funny faces and, you know, side eyes and people want to change the subject. No, we right on the subject we need to be talking about. Because watch this. When we come together, my debt now is your debt. Your debt is my debt. So maybe before we get married, let's get out of debt. So when we come into marriage, we can start with a fresh clean slate. I think that's so important and we have to effectively manage and wipe out that debt. Even though both spouses still have separate credit scores, both should be responsible for managing debt and being upfront about it. So we got to set some goals and strategies to raise both of our credit scores. When your credit score is high, you can get what you want at a cheaper interest rate and you can beat the banks over the head. You can beat the credit card companies over the head every single time. Decide what your credit card should be used for and how much you should charge on them. So you may have one credit card and say, you know what? We can't go over a thousand dollars. You got another credit card. We can't go over 2000. That's it. That's where we are. So watch this. Whatever we don't have, we just don't need right now. So we're putting money away for the things that we may want, the things that we may need. Until we get to a point where we built our money and then now after God has trusted us, after we can trust one another as husband and wife, we can flow, we can move and we can do the things that we need. So make paying off your loans or outstanding credit card balances a priority. Make sure that you do that. Number four, buying a house before you're ready. This is key. You'll see benefits in waiting until you're financially stable before purchasing a home. Maybe you're just not ready. And let's just be honest and say, we just need to stay in this apartment for a little bit longer until we are ready to take the leap. There are still some costly mistakes to avoid once you are ready to buy a home. Here's a few. Buying a home that is too expensive to fix or maintain. Now I see people say, you know, we're going to buy this dilapidated house and we're going to fix it up. But do you know how much it costs to fix it up? Do you know how much it's going to cost to maintain it? Do you have someone with the eagle eye who can see the details to see that this roof, you move in here, you know what? In three years, you're going to have to replace this roof. Man, that might be about five to $10,000. You know, you see certain other things. And so let's not get into things because you saw something on TV and you say, hey, maybe we can buy a fixer upper. Maybe you can, maybe you cannot. If you don't have the resources, and I'm not just talking about money, the people 
who can educate you. Now, if you have people in your family that can help you, maybe you got a roofer in your home, maybe you got an HVAC person, maybe you got somebody who can lay carpet, maybe you got a wood craftsman person, a painter in your house, then that's different. Then you can buy that house and fix it up. And then maybe after a few years, you can sell it and then go after the house you all really wanted to buy. But let's not jump into something until we first find out if we can do it. Applying for a mortgage you can't afford. Listen, I know a lot of times that at least a few years ago, people were getting these no interest loans. I think that's what they were called. Interest only loans. So they were getting this house that was about 5,000 square foot of space and they were paying about a thousand dollars a month for it. But they didn't know that that was just for a time. And then when the marketing or the market crashed on houses, those prices went up. So now that $1,000 home is now five to $6,000 a month. And I saw people leaving homes in my own neighborhood. They had an interest only loan. So let's not do the things that are faddish. Let's not do the things that people are doing right now because it seems good. Let's make sure that we are applying for a mortgage we can afford, not making a down payment that is large enough to lower your mortgage. That is so key. So we want to bring enough money to the table so that we can make sure that if we know that we can only afford $2,000 a month, we need to make sure we find out what the down payment is. And don't let these sellers and don't let these banks and all these other people stretch your money. I always tell people in counseling, if you believe that tithing is right, the person that you sitting in front of don't care nothing about tithing. So you make sure that you say, we always take a 10th out of our income and give it to God. That's a part of the money that's coming into the home. So we don't want to get into a situation where we're not honoring God. That's if you believe in tithing. Now, if you don't believe in tithing, just do what you do. But if you believe that God should get his first and what you give in God, it's so important in making sure that the home is blessed and prosperous so God can see that he's first in your life, then don't go above that. Stay right where you need to be, including your giving and everything else, and you'll be just fine. Failing to take advantage of the help available to first-time buyers. You'll be surprised at the programs that are out there for first-time home buyers. So make sure you do your due diligence and find out what those programs are and take advantage of them. You can save thousands of dollars as a first-time home buyer. I did the same thing years ago when I bought my first home and I was able to capitalize because I was a first-time buyer. Buying a house before taking the time to raise your credit score. I don't care how bad things are. Listen, if we work to do things properly, it'll save us in the end. So again, don't let your eyes get too big. You're focusing on a flat screen TV. Listen, we need another TV like we need another hole in our head. We need to make sure that all of those things that we want and we desire, let's put it on the back burner and let's make sure that we are paying debt off so we can raise our credit worthiness. So when it's time to go buy these things, we can save some money off of these purchases. And finally, number five, not looking for ways to strengthen your financial standing. 
So you can set some financial goals and do your best to save money, but most young couples eventually need to find a way to earn a higher wage. So you could, for instance, make a plan to move into another career, maybe move to another city where you can find a better job, or you could go back to school. In other words, where there's a will, there's a way. Listen to the leading of the Holy Spirit and make sure that we're just not doing things, but make sure that we're not stuck in our own laziness. If you can make some more money and being led by God to move to another city, do it. Going back to school, do it. Why? Because we're building. And when we're building one with another, it makes marriage so powerful. It makes it so important. It makes what we do to be where we want to be in our life. So make sure again, that you are paying attention to these five things that I said. And this is not an exhaustive list. There's a lot of other things that I could share, but I wanted to just give you some quick things, some first things, some necessary things that I believe is so important in how you're going to build your marriage, how you're going to build your life moving forward. So pay attention to these things and put them into place put them into play. And trust me, if you do, it will save you time. And more importantly, it will save you money. Well, that's all that I wanted to share with you today. I pray that this episode blessed you. If so, as always, send me an email at info at thomasadeloach.com. You can always go to my website, thomasadeloach.com. There's a subscriber box. Put your name, email into that subscriber box. Click the send button and I'll send you a free resource. And I trust that it'll bless your life as you begin to read it. Also, we're sending out every month a To Empower You newsletter. So stay connected with that as well, as I'll be giving certain things that I think is important for your upbuilding to empower you in the things of God and even in natural things like the stuff that I talked about today. And finally, listen, these shows, I have to produce them, but if you are being blessed and you want to partner with me financially to help the load easy, go back to thomasadeloach.com and scroll all the way down to the bottom of the screen and you will see a donation tab. Click that tab there. No dollar amount is too big. No dollar amount is too small. And whatever you give goes for the production of this show and other things that I believe will help you along your way. Listen, I am praying for you. As I always say, believing God's best for you. And remember, in all that you do, know that God is with you. Let's be practical in spiritual things and spiritual and practical things and watch how you and God begin to build the life he said belongs to you. All right. And remember, as always, to be empowered. Thank you for listening to my show to empower you. If you were blessed, inspired, and encouraged, please send me a praise report, prayer requests, or show ideas to info at thomasadeloach.com. And follow me on Instagram at Thomas A. Deloach and Facebook at Dr. Thomas A. Deloach. And remember, you can go to my website anytime at www.thomasadeloach.com. Until next time, be empowered.